also have a curated event calendar. Um, I started, I'm also an, an artist manager and I um, work with clients doing marketing and communications. Um, so I got started in the music industry kind of sort of through events. So I was doing event production. Um, my first job, I guess, in the music industry would have been with I Stole the Soul, which was DJ JMKM's first project before ISO Radio. So I was brought on as their um, production coordinator. And so I started being a little bit more in like the DJ scene and going out a lot um, and just being involved in that side of the entertainment industry. And that's how I started Serious Betty because um, I thought that there should be a dedicated place for really cool underground DIY events. Um, and then through that live shows and um, I started managing my first artist in 2019 because I got brought on to do her marketing and communications and she needed an artist manager. I'm no longer working with her. I'm now working with um, one other artist. He's in uh, Edmonton and I'm developing another artist in the moment. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Great, thank you. And Click, how did you get started in this industry? I was a b-boy. <laughs> <laughs> As a b-boy, uh, you know, as a dancer, to be real with you, yeah. uh, the name Click was given to me by my crew. So um, I started off there and then was a part of a rap group a very, very long time ago. And um, that group went on to... Say what? I did some deep diving based on your, your body. When I had hair and shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that group, you know, was nominated for a Juno won a much music award and uh, this is back in like the early 90s so you know when there wasn't really any infrastructure not like there's a lot now but it was yeah. worse even then you know but um from there um I'm kind of a jack of all trades I've, I've done a lot of stuff so you know I worked at a radio station I worked at a record store <laughs> I did concert promotions and then I started working for record companies so I worked at BMG doing marketing, and then I went into uh, Universal as an A&R guy for many years. And then the last 10 years, I've pretty much been running my own company, doing all different types of things. And, and I guess in between, you know, merging in that gap of starting my own company, working at Universal, I also started the Stylist DJ Awards, which ran for about eight years. And, um, now I teach, I mentor, and I manage artists. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm a, I'm a jack of trades. <laughs> uh, so for anyone that's on with us, their bios are available on the Eventbrite page. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw that before coming in. So if you just want to go um, do some research. Also, the handles were put up with our posters. So if you want to go ahead and follow Click and Jessica and see what they're up to these days. Um, I realized I didn't really say much about Afrowave, kind of just assumed everyone knew, but um, a little bit about Afrowave. So Afrowave is a new initiative. We've been running for just over a year now. Um, started with live showcases. That was the main thing. Um, it was started by Lexicon. I know a lot of people are aware of him. He's an artist in Toronto, dancehall, um, kind of R&B fusion. And what led him to start the initiative was recognizing that there are a lot of immigrants in Toronto, especially a lot of people of color um, and a lot of artists that are doing culturally driven sounds. So 
reggae, dancehall, um, soca, reggaeton, but the panels that we were going to and that he was going to as an artist didn't really reflect that. And there was barely any infrastructure for him as an artist to showcase his work. You know, like Click touched on that just now in terms of the infrastructure. And there was a lack of platforms for artists doing those genres. Um, so he thought that it was necessary to kind of fill that void. So that is what it started with. And now it's kind of branched out into providing resources for artists as well. Um, so we kind of want to go on to what are some of the obstacles, Click and Jessica, that you faced during your time getting started? I know like Click, you said you started in dancing <laughs> and here on the business side of things. Um, I'm sure there are challenges that came along with that. So. Um, could you tell us a bit about what are some of those challenges that you faced and how you overcome them getting started in the industry? I don't know if Jessica, do you want to start or click whoever feels motivated? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. Well, okay. I'm, I'm much newer than click in the industry and I feel like I've accelerated because, um, I just have pushed my way in, mm -hmm. but I would say that two of the biggest obstacles have been knowing who to talk to and mm -hmm. finding um, accessible um, colleagues or mentors when you don't work in a traditional office space because mm -hmm. I am freelance. Um, so that would probably be um, one challenge, but a way that I overcame that was by emerging myself um, in the spaces that I felt like I wanted to be. So like working with DJs, going out to live shows, um, finding volunteer opportunities, um, introducing myself to people when I didn't know them, when they were strangers, but I knew that there were people that I needed to get to know. Yeah. Um, so I'd say like in a way networking and connections was like both um, a challenge to figure out where to go. But then once you were there, you're kind of like, that's an obstacle that I was able to overcome. And then I would say secondarily, it's like finding out your stream of revenue. So like personally as a freelancer, um, finding out my stream of revenue, especially like as an artist manager, you're really not going to make a lot of money right off the bat. And then also as you're consulting artists or working with other artists, helping them also figure out their streams of revenue. So I would say those are my two, I would say streams of revenue are still like a struggle that I'm in right now as a newer person um, with less years under my belt, like you click. Um, for me, I, I, I have to give like a little bit of like backstory because I think it's important for people to realize like things don't really change as much as they're the same, you know what I mean? As, you know, but like, you know, back in the day, you know, we had a totally different landscape than we have now where, you know, the internet brings people together and you have an opportunity to touch people, um, you know, from the MySpaces to the Facebooks to the TikTok, whatever you want to call it. But before that, like trying to be in this music industry was very challenging, especially in Canada when we you hear all this talk about systematic racism and racism and period. I think it was a lot worse back then, to be honest with you. Like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, like I remember going to a club in Calgary and it, there being a sign like, you know, no black people allowed type of shit. And that's like in the nineties, like, you know, there's, you know, and, and I've run into a lot of bullshit 
in this industry being an artist um, at one point trying to get shows trying to find venues that are willing to have a hip-hop show for example or um you know even even um you know the lack of places to actually promote your music in this country is still a problem from when it was back in the day to what it is today i actually think sometimes it's even harder now to be real with you like you know you might have the internet that helps you get your music out everywhere but there was a time when we had like a number of publications you know there was word magazine there was pound magazine there was peace there was a lot of different avenues to actually promote your music to and and uh and them write about you or whatnot you know mm-hmm. um where today i look at the landscape i'm like man there's really lesser spaces than there was back then um so it's kind of interesting to think like back then i felt like there's nothing and then i look at like where we are now trying to promote artists i spend more of my time in essence trying to like find international success, like opportunities mm-hmm. because i find that those international opportunities kind of validate and help you with your activity that you're doing back home. You know what I mean? So like if I get a certain individual here to play a record or to talk about a record, it's only stays in like this small little box. But if I get somebody in the UK to talk about it and it comes back here, it's like, it amplifies everything. So yeah, I think that's some of the challenges. I mean, we could go on for a whole session about challenges. Well, and, and actually building off of what you said, click about um, our sort of like lack of space in the publications. That was one of the reasons why I started Serious Betty. Um, number one, first was to promote our like underground culture and a lot of like the DIY events that were happening. I don't know when I first moved to Toronto, I would look at like just shows all the time for like live stuff. And I just felt like there wasn't really um, one specific space that was showing the kind of parties that I wanted to go to. And then we developed our blog and our blog really focuses on um, giving promotion to those artists that are emerging. Cause when I'm working with artists in development and artists that are in those beginning stages, it's kind of like difficult to get that press that still means something has clout, but isn't necessarily like, you know, a complex or a fader because that's a big jump for an emerging artist. So we really make sure on Sirius Betty that we're offering that space for those artists and we're covering those artists that are like in their first, like, couple of years but giving them quality and that's important and that's important people forget how important that is like you know jumping right like you're 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 dead on jumping straight for like a fader or something of that nature without having any story on the ground in your own backyard like being able to and sometimes you might get more love from somebody on the ground here because they saw your show or they know somebody who knows you so when they write something about you there's more context to it mm-hmm. and versus just seeing somebody post something about it on a site where they just kind of copy and paste. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, I think um, like understanding the landscape too is, is important because, you know, you're talking about um, international publications and getting a buzz there. Uh, being originally from Jamaica, I felt that even going back there recently this year before everything went south, um, I felt like getting started as an artist there was much easier for me um, because of the fact that it's less formal. So there are a lot of persons like there's so much talent there and you can you can just show up at a show or a sound clash and you just go and like everybody 
starts talking about you and it kind of just spreads. There's less, I think, formalities to go through um, there than here. So like Jessica was saying, kind of figuring out where you want to be and, and targeting those people and showing your face numerous times and like networking. I found that I was forced to do that when I came here. Um, but a lot of that has to do the a lot, infrastructure here. A lot of that's not just infrastructure. <laughs> a lot of that is actually um, uh, characteristic trait, I guess you could say, or like a personality of mm. the landscape of Canada. Mm. So what I mean by that is like, I've never been to Jamaica. Yeah, I've never been there, <laughs> but I want to go. But um, I am. I can only imagine, I'm, I'm American, so like I know... For example, if you go to the States and I go to a party, dudes will start playing records that nobody ever heard and people will, or somebody will jump on stage and people will start flipping the fuck out. Like, oh shit, this shit's bananas, right? Yeah. But if an artist here did that here, there's a lot more people that are more like, let me see what you got. Mm-hmm. A lot Miles. more people are very conservative mm-hmm. in Canada versus you know just jumping up and like oh yeah you're the shit we all watch the room we all want to know okay what's popping like it's a different thing but i also find that that depends on the spaces that you're in like that's why Mm -hmm. our our calendar and like we really focus on those like diy events and those on the ground events because there's not those folks there who are like who really necessarily are caring but I, I understand what you're saying for sure there is like a formality for sure um, but that's why I think you have to I think one of my like the one thing that I've learned is like if the space isn't there for you you make the space mm-hmm. you know like this is why Afrowave exists this is why Serious Betty exists this is why what you do click exists is because the space wasn't there for you so you create it and now more people have room I think that's the most important thing actually um, in like with any artist like anything you're doing is mm-hmm. and, and probably more more important now than ever before is mm-hmm. like you have to create the the atmosphere and that you want to live in if you don't if you're not the type of person that can create that atmosphere then you need to go find that atmosphere and you know break it down you know what i'm saying it's like okay it's like okay i want a house party but i have no friends to come over but i know there's a house party across the street so walking in through the back door and be part of the house party do you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. you know you kind of have to create the the space you want to live in i agree with that so moving off of that uh let's say i know there's there's a lot of like technical technological advancements rather where people are able to create so much from home now and people are releasing tracks from home um developing small networks and so on and moving on from that creating space how do artists go about doing that like you realize this is what you want to do this is the industry that you want to be in um technology is so accessible now to record stuff and how does an artist move on from this is what I want to do to this is what I'm doing. Like, how do you move from, mm. I want to be in the industry to actually being part of the industry and creating a space for yourself in that industry? What steps, I know there are different approaches to it, but what steps would you suggest for someone who's trying to start out and create that space? I'm just going to say straight up, consider yourself a business or an entrepreneur and understand that if you're going to start in the, uh, to move from, music as a passion to making money 
you have to get in an entrepreneurial mind state. And if you, if you unfortunately don't have that inside of you, you have to find folks to work with who are entrepreneurial thinking and business minded. Um, and so I would say before you start anything, before you even like think of your artist's name, be like, I'm starting a business. Mm -hmm. And that's would be my approach. That's great. Cool. I, I think that's a good approach. I think that I would go one more step before it. Um, I believe in like identifying who you are and mm -hmm. as an artist and who you are as an individual and what you see for yourself as an artist before you even think of anything else. And I think that's what happens. A lot of people don't really think of that process. They just jump in, put some music out, and then, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that approach either. Like, I think it's a matter of, f that's how you find yourself too. But um, what I mean by that is like some artists will come out and put all this money, effort, branding into something that they don't, that is not even true to who they are. Mm -hmm just doing it because they think it's the cool shit to do or they think it's the way they're going to make money you know what i'm saying but i think like the way you make money and the way you are successful is buying a, being a true fucking artist and that is tapping into your art tapping into the creative space within your 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 you know your heart yeah. and letting that come out to the surface otherwise yeah you could be you know you could you know, do a little dance, do a little song, yeah. run down some two things, come up with a catchy hook, do a TikTok, get online and have a one hit wonder. But will you be here in 10 years? Yeah. If your brand identity do you know what I'm is saying? secured. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I, I think it's, you know, what I do with my artists when I start working with them is I run them through like a real, like <laughs> a workshop on like, okay, what type of artist do you want to be? Hmm. What's your message? What are you about? What is, what are you trying to get out there? Why are you doing this? Like really tapping into that because that will, asking yourself those questions will bring the best out of you. I think, I think that that approach is for me when I work with artists, like that comes with building with trust. Cause I feel like my job as an artist manager is to help you understand what's inside of you be articulated out into words and i think especially a lot for artists who are like and i'm not trying to attribute age to it but but with age comes a better understanding of yourself and a better understanding of your artistry but a lot of artists who are becoming who are pushing themselves to be professional artists are young so i think that you know click your point about knowing who you are and knowing why you're doing something that will definitely be the foundation yeah. And, and just to give, I guess, some people some like, I hate sometimes talking on panels mm -hmm. and, not, and like you just say, oh, this is what you got to do, but you don't really fucking know. You're not giving them yeah. a real workshop rundown on what to do. Like for me, uh, some tricks of the trade is like when I, I sit somebody down and say, okay, give me like five artists that you see yourself in. Yeah. Okay. And tell me what about each one of those five artists that you see yourself in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one might say, okay, I see myself in this artist. What is it about that artist that you like? There's something about the way he writes his lyrics. Oh, this artist. Oh, it's the way he performs. I love his whole, his whole setup. This artist, it's his branding, the way he presents himself, da, da, da. So then it gives me a picture of how he sees or how she sees themselves in the artist bucket. And then it's identifying the sound that they're trying to chase Mm -hmm. And then probably the biggest ne next step is really 
trying to see if the artist is being 100%, actually I won't even say 100, 1000% free. When I say free, free of any blockage in your mind and in your heart when you give yourself into the music. And I think that that's a big thing with artistry is like you can be there, be in the studio and kind of do a song and dance, but are you coming from a real place where when you, when you, when you put out something, you're getting this aura of, of artistry that is 100% from you and not something you're fabricating from something you thought was cool. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's, that's something that I, I recommend a lot of artists to think about. And sometimes you need people like Jessica and me to kind of help guide you to understand that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I often do. So whenever we're figuring out like branding in terms of aesthetic, I think like I ask for a lot of mood boards. So I find when you put visuals out, um, even, and I, and I usually like, I was working with an artist who had all these ideas of what she wanted her identity to be. And I just told her to write down all the things that she like could think of when it came to like what she wanted to be as an artist and then go back and look at it. It's like, don't think about it as you're writing it, just let it spill out. And then you can use that as you're like, I don't know, that's like your, you pick from it and you start editing and you start actually seeing connections, you know? So I don't know, not everyone I'm working, I was working with an artist who would have a hard time like articulating in words. So we went to visual. So we just put together a Pinterest board of like the aesthetic. And I feel like sometimes, you know, that can paint a picture. It's like, oh, look, you really like dark lighting. You really like um, like seventies fashion. You really like weird alien stuff. Like, I don't know, it just helps to get the juices flowing. Um, yeah. But that's not really necessarily about creating music. That's more just about like the identity and the branding. And, and I'd say listen to your gut. Mm -hmm. And don't um don't let voice like if you know deep down inside that something's not right, you're better to address it and deal with it than trying to hide it or thinking that it will it will change. Because your gut is really you know, telling you the real essence and soul of what the fuck is going on and your mind plays tricks on you, ghetto boys. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. Yeah. So once an artist has like all of that, that brand identity um, figured out, what are some tangible steps that you, you think would be next for them? Because I know we talked a lot about like professionalism and, and branding and trying to figure out your identity and who you are. How do you convey that to people? So um, what are some of the things that, like everyone knows, okay, you have to have social media pages, but what are some like tangible things that an artist needs to get started on if you're gonna convey that professionalism to an audience and to the public? I think a lot of it comes down to your, your, your branding package, you know, like once you've kind of like, let's say you have great music, you know who you are, you have all these things. The next step is like, how are you presenting yourself to the world and coming up with a strategy of what that approach is. So, you know, every artist is different, right? You know, the weekend came out, not really putting any pictures of him out there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And that was strategically done that way for a purpose and it worked for him, but it might not work for somebody else. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you really have to figure out what that is. But at the end of the day, there was something about the music and the brand that was connected to some type of imagery 
that painted a picture. There's a certain way that things were done before. And then it kind of got challenged by what we were coming in, like a new generation of music, what we were coming in with as students. So there's like, oh, is an EPK important now? Is a mm. press kit important now? Is a website important now? Because people are just getting discovered on SoundCloud. What are your opinions on those um, more traditional forms of, of kind of communicating who you are to the public? I think you, uh, there's so many different options. And mm -hmm. I think um, it would be good to look at your different options and then focus on what you want to do. So like if you want to have a website that you, and click, I don't know, you might have a different approach to this, but like you don't, I don't think you need to have everything, but I think you need to look at what the possibilities are. So if you're going to be using actively using Instagram and actively using Twitter. And then if you're going to be communicating um, your new releases through um, like a press release, those three specific things should always be up to date and they should always look amazing. And you shouldn't just have a SoundCloud sitting there because someone says you have a SoundCloud and there's nothing on it that's updated. You know, like, and I think if you're going to do an electronic press kit, it's like, well, what's going in it and who is it going to? You have to think about that, like the functionality of the things that you're using you might not need all of the things like when when we get um pitches to serious betty on my website when i say submit music i tell you exactly what we need as a blog and a media outlet but it might be something different for if you're trying to pitch to something else or you're trying to get to work with somebody or you know you get a performance and they need your press kit like there's a couple different purposes for the different things and that also goes for platforms Mm. I don't know. I, did my did my thing freeze for a minute or something? Yeah, did something cut out. Yeah. Out. Okay. I was like, yo, what's going on? It <laughs> jumped. I it jumped and I came back. I was like, did I just like go through Twitter zone or something? Because like, like, you didn't get to finish what you were saying. That's what I was like. What's going on? <laughs> I was talking and all of a sudden it was like. Yeah, I was like, okay, what's going on? Um, I'm gonna finish what you were saying. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Um, I, I think to hear what you're talking about in terms of like, um, I think you have to be in all spaces, personally. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be active necessarily. Like, let's say if you're not a Twitter person, like me, I'm not really a Twitter person, but I'm still there and I come and check in every now and then. But like, there's certain as an artist you need to be on all platforms you should have an audio mac you should have a soundcloud you should have everything possible under the sun and then make sure that you keep them updated with stuff as as current as you can mm -hmm. you know i had an example is like you never know when an opportunity might come from one of those spaces right so somebody that i do some distribution help with they basically i looked at some of their um i saw uh, an opportunity for soundcloud thing and I was like, oh, you know what? He might be great for this. So I went to SoundCloud and there's nothing on there since last year. I'm like, okay, you're not really updating this page. I can't send this to SoundCloud because this ain't going to fit if they see no activity, right? So, you know, you have to keep these things active and up to, up to par. Otherwise, you might miss these type of opportunities that mm -hmm. present themselves, right? So I think um, the other thing in talking about, um, Jessica talking about like, pitching and, and going to certain places and having EP, EPK and all those type of things is like, you need to have your photos, your bio, press clippings, quotes, all these things in one place. But I'm also not 100% a fan of press releases anymore. I'm not a fan of blasting out every single blog under the sun because I don't necessarily think they're all listening. And I think it comes across as spam now. 
I think it's really important to build relationships. I think it's really, really important to build one-on-one -on -one as much as you can with people. And even from the standpoint of just following somebody and putting a, putting a like on their page and a comment and keep doing that, building that, that relationship to the point where like, oh, I recognize that you like really take an interest in my, in my life, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that when you do get to a point where you have something to offer, they recognize that you are invested in them and they, that you would like them to be invested in you mm -hmm. versus just sending a straight email blast um, that looks like it's meant for the world. Um, yeah. If it's somebody you don't know and you're cold calling, make sure you take a moment in there to say something that makes a connection like oh i just read this article you did on so and so yeah. you know i disagree with you <laughs> or something like you know you said that shit that album's awesome i think that shit's whack listen to this you know what i mean mm -hmm. you know it's it's just it's it's um you got to do something that's going to make a connection because you got to realize the pipeline is clogged <laughs> the pipeline is fucking clogged so you got to figure out what is the Drano you're using <laughs> to get your message across? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think um, to build off of that and make these moments more personalized will help you not to become overwhelmed. Because I think that especially if you're doing this on your own, or even if you're doing it with a team of two, there's a lot that you should be doing or that you could be doing. But the reality is probably where you're starting out, you're probably not doing this full time. You're doing this less than two thirds of, of your time. Mm -hmm. And in those two thirds of your time, you have to also be creating. So then that's even less. So I would say like, that's probably the best advice is to build strong relationships because those will be your building blocks. So focus on three blogs for your first release and then revisit those three blogs because now you have a relationship with them and now make it five. And now you build, you know what I mean? Just like think about those small steps. Um, I also think that if you're going to be uh, sending anything anywhere, like make sure that your stuff links to things. Like I, I really hate when I go on Spotify and I don't, the artist doesn't have their Instagram and I just really want to know their Instagram handle because I want to follow them and yeah. check out their life. So just make sure that you're taking all of those opportunities on all the platforms to link back to your stuff. Yeah. Cause just going off, just going off that social media thing. Um, I know as an artist myself, there are people that will be like, hey, love your stuff. Do you want to collab? Like, that's it. That's the whole message. Um, or interest in sound. I have some beats I can send you. Um, that's it. Like, there's no greeting. There's nothing. It's just straight to that. How do you um, suggest that artists approach social media in that way because I feel like there are ways for you to make connections with people on social media like mm -hmm. it is social media for a reason um how, what would you recommend to producers or artists who are looking to collaborate um managers that are starting out that are interested in working with an artist in terms of social media how do you go about having that conversation in a professional way it's interesting because you know, like 10 years ago, back in the day, there was a very protocol to these things. Mm -hmm. You had a phone call and you had an email. Yeah. And before that, you had a fax. <laughs> before that, Nowadays, you, pigeon. you got Twitter, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, you got an email. You got so many places of contact that nobody is the same. What you 
how the way that you like to be contacted is different than the way that I like to be contacted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Each individual is different. So what I usually do when I contact people is I ask them, what's the best way would you like me to contact you about this? I would like to speak to you about da-da-da-da or I'd like mm -hmm. to send you this. Is it okay? This is what it is. Like, I, but I don't believe in sending people books. Like I don't need, like some people send me some long ass like essays and eating, eating up all my time. And I'm like, dude, you just like literally should be minimal short sentences. Those long things sometimes might make a difference for some people. For others, yeah. trust me, you you missing some people with that long ass shit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree, and I also think like there's no harm in DMing someone and and making your introduction there, but then building off mm -hmm. and saying I can shoot you this off in an email and offering that. Like I personally really like to offer that because I like to work in email, so I lead with the thing that I like. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think that's really good advice. Asking the person is this the best place to contact you yeah someone just raised a tanisha just raised a good point um saying that especially when you're busy and you have like hundreds of these things coming in and you know really? why should i read yours when they're like so many other shorter yeah. ones like, oh, I, I, call it, I call it fishing we're all fishing because yeah. really like you go fishing you do the rod you try yeah. to see what you can catch <laughs> you don't know what you're going to catch but it's like that's what it is because it's a, it's a risk. It's a crab shoot. You really don't know if somebody's going to get the message. If they do get the message, are they going to hit you back? Like, you know, DMs, I think are, are, they work. I've, I know for a fact they work. I've done it. I've had other people do it. And a lot of great opportunities have come from a simple DM. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But at the same time, emails don't work either sometimes. And sometimes they do. Like, I, that's yeah. my point. And it I would really also depends on the individual. Exactly. I would also say following up is totally fine and making sure that when you're following up, thinking about, think about yourself, like think about how inundated you are with messages that the person on the other end is probably just as inundated. So sending them bumping, like you can send them an email and say, Hey, I'm just bumping this up to the top of your inbox. I wanted to follow up and see if you got my email or even do that in a DM. Also, if you're confident and you see somebody out in person, you can totally approach them. Like as long as they're not like eating dinner and be like, you know, if it's a social setting, I've done this and be like, hey, you're so-and-so. Um, I don't know, this is kind of weird, but like I sent you an email. I just like think it would be super cool to connect and like keep it short. But I think like, yeah. I don't know, it's sometimes nice. And then someone's like, oh shit, you went out of your way. Okay, yeah, I'll totally look at it. Is that bad advice? <laughs> on emails too, um, just because we have like the chat coming in, people raising different points that I think are really relevant as well. Um, subject line is one that was raised. I think that's really important because, you know, that follow-up is super important, but it kind of doesn't connect if there's no introduction. And so people send me things and title is like beats. And the only thing in the email are sample packs and just like attachments. And then they hit me up on Instagram. They're like, send you an email. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. I don't know your hat if your handle connects to your email address like there's no introduction I don't know what you want me to do with these um and so I think like that introduction is really important because first impressions you know they do hit hard and I think trying to give a proper introduction really helps with a follow-up and then everything else that comes after that so thank you so much on that Good to hear that from an industry insider in terms of what you expect from from being persistent is key too. I know Jessica kind of tapped on it. Is like, you know, I guarantee you, how many times I've I've hit up people like 
five even more times before I actually got an answer. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it, it's just part of the business. I don't, yeah. you can't, you have to have thick skin and understand the realities of the business that like, don't take things personal. Like, don't think that, oh, this motherfucker ain't getting back to me. Oh, when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what absolutely. I'm saying? That goes right into the next question that I wanted to ask in terms of traits, like attitude and mindset. What were some of the things that were helpful for you getting started in the industry? Because a lot of people tend to forget that it's not just, oh, your website looks nice and your social media looks good, but they're, they're internal things as well that kind of affect that. So you talked about persistence. Um, you talked about thick skin, not taking things personally. What else would you mm -hmm. recommend to our participants today in terms of going into the industry um, and their attitude, their mindset, et cetera? For me, uh, I'll share a story. I'll keep it 100. I think that, so when I was in a rap group in the early 90s, you know, we had reached a pretty big top of the mountain cliff to a certain degree, record labels, all types of things were happening. And I got really cocky. You know, I, I won't lie, I got really cocky. You know what I mean? Like. I felt like everything was just like gonna come to me because of whatever else happened, you know, silver spoon type of shit, you know? And it wasn't <laughs> straight up and down. And I think for like, um, I, I think a lot of it had to do with my attitude. I think a lot of it had to do with like my outlook and me thinking I deserve this because of whatever, you know? And I'd say a good, five six years i lived in that bullshit <laughs> i lived in that shit thinking that you know life was just going to come to me because of what successes i've already had or whatever you know what i'm saying but actually it was getting worse and i think that i also think that i thought i thought that i was on my grind and I wasn't like, I thought, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going out here. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But I wasn't really like, when I look back at it now, I could have been way more proactive, way more efficient with my time, way more like smart with the movements that I made. And it wasn't until um, I got on my face, you know, lost my job. I had a, worked at a record store, lost that job, had a bunch of things happen in my life that were just not healthy and decided that I would go back to school. And I went to Harris Institute of the Arts. Oh, well, me too. And <laughs> what really I learned from that experience was not so much about like the work that I was learning in school because mm -hmm. I already had a lot of hands-on experience, mm -hmm. was discipline. Oh yeah. I, the discipline to like get up, go to class, do the homework, hand it, hand it in. And actually because I cared about what I was doing, I found a new level of discipline within myself. The same time that I was doing that, I was I was promoting concerts for Jonathan Ramos. So I was out every night going to every radio station from York University to, to uh, CIUT to Ryerson, you know what I'm saying? Promoting shows and then getting up and going to school the next day. That takes a level of discipline, persistence. And that whole time before that, I'd applied to every single record company numerous times, many times a year. And one day out of nowhere, without me even applying, I get a phone call from a record company saying, hey, we see all the work that you're doing here. 
and we think it's amazing. We want you to come in for an interview. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> and I just, I realized that what that is, is you can't chase something that you think is right for you. Like you, you can't go out there thinking a silver spoon is going to come to you because you think you're the shit. You have to do the work. You have to actually do the work and live in it and die in it and sleep in it to the point where it's just part of you, to the point where people start coming to you for what you have because they see that you have something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, I'm using me as an example of like getting into the music business, but it's the same as an artist. Like you have to live in your shit and really own it and be great at it. And people will come knocking at your door because your shit tastes good. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Everything that you just said, I feel so inspired by. <laughs> um, I want to just add one thing to it. And actually it might kind of touch on the question in the, uh, in the chat, but um, I think you have to be willing to, and confident about talking about yourself because there was an artist that I was working with and she was having a really hard time talking about the things that she was doing. So, you know, we'd run into people and we'd be out and I, as her manager had to be like, you're, you're putting out an album soon. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's really cool. People want to know what you're doing. And I don't think that that's bad. And I think maybe this is more of like a female thing. I think we tend to be extremely modest. And I think that it's important for you to be confident and tell people what you're doing. And I think that goes for you as an artist, but also I've struggled with that myself too. I've struggled with what's my professional title? Do Am I even worthy of calling myself this? Like, there's a lot of like self-doubt. So I think that being training yourself to be able to talk about what you're doing and um, talk about what you're up to and even flex a little bit on your successes, I think will help kind of quiet some of that self-doubt. Yeah. I think um, that's very important too about kind of recognize, because as an artist, as an individual, I'm a very Mm -hmm timid person you know kind of withdrawn and someone said to me they're like you need to be more assertive like if you do this say you do this if you produce music doesn't matter if they're not a lot of female producers say you produce music um and so I think that's a really important point in terms of of being honest about who you are and it ties right back into your identity so as you said like identifying what are those key values that make you who you are as an artist and and then be not just willing, but like excited about sharing that with, with other people. There's a question oh, here. That- also, when, when you do that, it builds itself motivation. Mm-hmm. That's right. When you actually speak what you want to manifest, you become what that is. Yeah. So when yeah. you say, I'm a producer, there's a certain level of like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm a producer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. There's a question here that's further down on my list, but I know we're coming up onto Q&A time and everyone's pressing me about it. The things that artists should not do. I think that's very important um, in terms of when you're just starting out. There are a lot of things that um, you can do, but what are some of the things that you just advise artists not to do when you're starting out? I don't know if this is like just because I am very protective of new artists, but um, don't feel like you have to pour a ton of money into places that... um, I don't know. I feel like there's all, because I come from a very scrappy DIY career, I feel like you could always do most of the things like with the resources that you have. And I'm not saying you need to like get things for free. Of course you have to pay for stuff, but 
um, try your hardest to do as much of the stuff on your own or with your small team that you can. One, because I think that that will save you money if you don't have income yet. And two, I think it'll give you an opportunity to learn about um, what to do better for next time because you're actually getting your hands dirty. So I don't know, my, my guess, my advice is try not to spend the money that you don't necessarily need to spend right now at the beginning of your career. Um, I would say things not to do is rush yourself. You know, rushing yourself because you feel like time is of the essence or you feel like, you know, you're getting older or you feel like, uh, you know, this, that, that this song is going to die if I don't get it out there. Like, um, rushing yourself can hurt yourself more than um, advance yourself. Mm -hmm. So patience is a virtue and first impressions mean the world mm -hmm. because if you rush yourself let's say you rush yourself to get yourself out there to to people and what you put out is not a hundred percent who you are um or your stage show sucks or you're just not up to par and you have all the right people in the room to see you i'll tell you right now it's very hard to get that memory out of their head of what they saw that first time oh, yeah trust me I've, I, I've i've had this where i've seen some great artists have a lot of potential and then me trying to convince somebody that oh i, I saw him yeah 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 whatever i know who he is i'm like no nah, you don't <laughs> that dude that you know was like three years ago he's advanced he's changed mm -hmm. he's developed but they just have that notion in their head that they are somebody else so you're better to take your time and make sure that what when you do come out the box you come out strong yeah, absolutely. One thing that I feel like artists are afraid of, though, is putting something out anywhere. So like even showing people and I feel like people get really stuck on it has to be perfect. And I agree with you, Click, like it has to be really good and you have to have good live performance and you have to have like a fully like, you know, the track has to sound good and you have to have your ducks in a row. But I think that at some point you have to put something out and you have to show people and you have to get in front of a stage or get in, get on a stage and it's not going to be perfect. Right. And I think there's a ways about like, don't think like, okay, well, click told me not to do nothing. So I'm just going to stay <laughs> in my house. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you pick and choose strategically where you place your shit. So for example, if you're just still getting out the box, you don't know what you you're testing the waters. Test the waters on platforms that aren't have the heavy, you know, eyes on them. Like if I had a new artist that's not, it's still trying to figure out, she said, you know what, just put it on SoundCloud or just put it on Audio Mac, whatever, you know, don't put it on Spotify, don't put it on Apple, just put it there for now. Okay. Oh, you need to do some shows? Don't do them in all the hot spots. Yeah. Let's go do some shit in some places that nobody knows. Let's go to some open mics. Let's, let's, let's perfect the chops first and then come back and unleash the dragon. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm -hmm. I think it, it's not about uh, suppressing any, you're right, Jessica, you definitely got to make sure you're putting out music and not holding back what you have. Because the other thing is this, if you don't release stuff, you're stuck in the creative cycle of where you are. Mm -hmm. And the greatest creative stuff is what's about to come, but you will never get to the next thing because definitely you're stuck not. where you are. Yeah. 
I think that's important in terms of what you're saying about experimenting with um, like a smaller crowd first or a smaller platform before just jumping into this bigger thing. Um, that's one thing that really, really helped me come in here. I started with Honey Jam, um, which isn't necessarily the smallest, but, <laughs> but it was um, a good, you know, starting place for me, especially because they have like a whole program before you actually get to that, that live performance and then doing smaller venues, um, like supermarket and so on. And I think what it also helps an artist to do is you get to hear and speak possibly see yourself back live and you're like yeah that really sucked I would never sat and watch that um you also get to see what your support circle is like and that was really important for me too because I was seeing what kind of support I was garnering like how many people could I get out on a night compared to the other artists or um what kind of people were interested in coming to my stuff um versus what I thought like the target audience that I had in my mind. So I feel like that's that's really important for artists in terms of, of that, because I think a lot of people do forget that live aspect. And with streaming and the revenue that you get from streaming, especially, especially when you're not like on that level where you can get a whole lot from it, live is very important. And I think a lot of people are good at, you know, recording, but then you try to translate that live and it's a totally different thing. So I think that's a really good point in terms of experimenting with those crowds and those smaller audiences before trying to jump into a, a bigger platform. Um, Afrowave is a good initiative for you guys to get some practice <laughs> with a smaller audience. Um, but we're, we're building up and trying to get that exposure for artists as well. Uh, I also think artists, sorry, just really quickly yeah. in terms of the live or even the in-studio is um, I think vocal lessons are really important. And oh. I think um, even if you're like singing and recording all the time, um, it, I think it's really important to do vocal lessons. And I think it's mm -hmm. also really important to see what your potential range is so that you can have new sound. Like sometimes you can get sort of trapped in like where your voice sits um, and you can be recording subconsciously or unknowingly these same yeah. kind of melodies and these same kind of sounds. And um, an artist that I worked with, I put him with a, a vocal coach mm -hmm. and she was able to bring out this new sound that his voice was sort of not used to doing, but had potential to with training. And I think that that's something that I'm not sure if many artists do it, but it's, I'm a huge advocate for vocal training and for stage performance practice. And I would say to listen, one thing that, that I had to learn was listen to the people who come to your live shows. Cause there are a lot of people who would hear like the studio version of things that I did and have their opinion about it and be like, oh, you do too much. And then I, I remember particularly one person came to my live show and they're like, it's all these things that you do with your, your hands, your gestures that, you know, make me want to come to the show. Like that's your identity. Like when I see that or hear that, I know that's you. So I think it's really important to, to get feedback from, you know, different, different avenues. If you're putting it out on SoundCloud or if you're doing a live performance with the same song, I try, I didn't before. And then having that person come up to me and say, this is why I come to your show. I started to ask people why they come to my show. You know, like, what do you come to see? And I know that you can kind of get clouded and you try to please everyone, but I think it's important to know what are the things that are, are catching people the most, you know? 
Yeah, and I also think it's important to tap into your strengths and your weaknesses by doing that. Like, you know, it's important to like um, find out what, like if you know that, okay, I, I feel really comfortable doing this and it feels good and people seem to react to that and something else isn't working or you're not getting the response that you want or you're not, you don't feel 100% comfortable with something or, does, or you're hearing feedback that people keep telling you like, Dude, I don't know. I love your singing, but you're rapping. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's about really, you know, kind of diving into that and then finding there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, I'm not a great performer. Not, let me go find somebody who can help me with that, you know? Uh-huh. And I think um, all the great, like, everybody thinks like, you know, superstars were just born with this shit. Trust me, all of them have had training, have gone through the, the ringer on learning things, nobody's perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care who the fuck you are. Nobody's 100%. They, and even if they had 90, 90%, that extra 10, they learned from somebody else. Do you know what I'm saying? You know? So touching on that idea, cause I know Jessica, you mentioned it before too about team. Um, it's something that I've asked myself as an artist too. When do you suggest that artists start to put a team together like when do you not necessarily when do you need a manager there's a whole other conversation i think but like when do you start looking for that team um to help you is it some do you think that an artist could go on for a while just doing stuff by themselves or do you recommend looking for people to help you with that like out the gate i think it's really organic and i think it goes back to the whole question of like what um, like, do I need an EPK and do, or do I need a press release? It's like, okay. if you're thinking about team in that way, it's like, well, you probably need a producer mm-hmm. and you want to find a producer that you vibe with. And maybe that's somebody that you want to build a relationship with. And now they are in your team. Okay. Um, you know, for having a manager, it's like, well, why do you need a manager? Is there, do you, do you have a schedule to manage? Or like, you have to just think when you're when you're building a team, I personally think it's going to be organic based on your needs. And then also really based on the vibe and the relationship. Like one of the artists that I work with, he's always had these three guys that he's created with and they always spin and cycle ideas. And they're all three artists and they all work together on different parts of their career. And unknowingly that's him creating his team. Yeah. Any thoughts, Clay? Yeah, I think um, for me, team is is important how you get that team some elements of the team are a lot easier to draft than other elements you know it's like getting a booking agent sometimes can be harder than getting a record company especially in this country especially if we're talking about afrowave and we're talking about artists that are doing soca reggae all types of things like that you know yeah it's fuck it's really hard you know and when you're thinking about the landscape, okay, well, you have to think about, well, how am I going to, what's your strategy? How are you going to win over mm-hmm. what you're trying to win? What's your goal? What's your plan? Based on your vision of where you're trying to go, start thinking about what are the elements of my team that I need to achieve that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to put, I know that I'm not going to tour. None of us are touring. So it's like, I need mm-hmm. to really find content, like somebody I can build content with. Then I need to find an editor. I need to find a videographer, maybe for a photographer, and make them like my my biggest elements of my team. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like shit. I don't know how to produce, so I need to find a producer that's part of my team, or a bunch of producers are part of my team. 
you know, it's, it's really trying to figure out those elements and then just, you know, move one step to another step. But, you know, I don't think that you can do this business without uh, individuals around you to help you. Uh, you're going to have to start here to get there. But like, and, and the great, the great managers and the great people in the industry that will, um, will come to you when you're at a level that they recognize. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I find that established artists, managers, and, and, and even lawyers for that matter will find out about you because they heard about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it might not be good to go knocking on doors, like I said, without making sure that that first impression is right because you might lose that opportunity. So the mm-hmm. team element of that is super important and thinking about that process when you're out there building your team, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, you don't have to strive for a, a huge, successful, you know, somebody who's been around the block type of manager. You might find somebody who's just your road dog, yeah. who's hungry, persistent, driven, and believes in you to the death. And they might be able to open up more doors for you than somebody who's actually more established. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so I don't, I don't really believe in like one is better than the other. I think it's about finding who's right for you. Not every artist and manager connect. It's about finding the right connection because it's a marriage. It has to really be somebody who has your best interests at heart and is your partner in your career. Mm-hmm. And I also think building off of that, don't be afraid to uh, move away from uh, relationships in on your team that are not really working for what you're what you're creating at the moment. Um, that person could come back at another time or mm-hmm. whatnot. Like, don't be afraid to be honest with the people that you're working with about whether or not that is jiving. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, like even from professional relationships that I've had with people where like you're like oh I don't know if you're the right fit for this particular project we're working on this other stuff and then people take it personally and you know coming right back to that about having a thick skin it's a business you know and it's important for you as a person in someone else's network to understand that you may not be the best fit for that project and also understanding that the people that you're working with like you can't not give your art the best chance because Mm -hmm. of loyalty I think that's something that's really important that I've like I've even seen where there are people where you can see that if they had moved away from this particular like collaboration, it would have worked out better or they would have hit a higher mark. And I think that's a really important point, especially for artists. We tend to be, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, a lot of artists. So I think that's, that's really, really important. I mean, the other thing too, is like, we are all humans. We're not robots. So like you people, I, if you're not invested in the person you're working with on an emotional level, like, I don't know, that's the way I work. I like you. I'm going to ride for you. And it might hurt a little bit to hear that someone doesn't want to work for you or work with you. Yeah. Oh, it will hurt. <laughs> yeah. It will hurt, but that's okay. Like, you know, you can't risk. Uh, yeah. I think it's okay. Like yeah. I, I, I agree. Like you can't take things personally, but like you will, we yeah. all will. And then that's just being human. Well, I think it's just getting to that point of um, 
of honesty in professional relationships because mm-hmm. there are a lot of yes people who will t- like it will sound the worst and they'll still say it's like the best thing you've ever produced so I think like what you're saying get into that point where you can have that conversation and have that um that understanding that oh this person like we've had this relationship for such a long time this person isn't cutting me off this person is finding the best opportunity for what they want to work on, but they'll always be there. They're always in my network. We're always going to be part of each other's network and help. And so I think it's really important too to, to get to that point in a professional relationship where you can be honest with each other and, and understand that, you know, like you're saying, not tr- I'm not trying to hurt you by working with someone else on this particular project. So I think too, that's something that's really important in this industry. Um, I know we're coming up to question and answer i have a few questions here the last thing i wanted to touch on though is current times we are enduring this whole lockdown and i know that there are probably people who i know even for myself being home having a lot of the distractions removed i've kind of been more in tune with my art and with my creative side um what advice could you give to people who are looking to get started now who've kind of been home and been like, you know what, I've kind of been doing this thing half in, half out. Like, I really want to do this now. What do you recommend during a time like this? You can't go out and do small gigs and test audiences. What are some of your suggestions for our participants? Um, I don't know if you want to hear from me on this shit. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be a little harsh. I'm going to be a little harsh right now. I'm going to be a little real harsh right now. I'm really you really 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 need to love what you're doing mm-hmm. you really 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 need to believe in yourself and know that this is not like if this is just some shit you think is cool and a hobby then let it be a hobby but if you're trying to make a living and be in the music business <laughs> um it's not easy it's not easy and if you can't handle the heat in the kitchen get the fuck out straight up i'm just telling you right now like it's not i'm not trying to uh i'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings but i am trying to hurt everybody's feelings like it it needs to happen because there's a lot of people that are trying to jump in a pool that just ain't built for it and if you are built for it then you need to be as innovative and creative Mm -hmm. and as fuck you have to be able to really withstand the storm <laughs> that is coming around the corner because mm-hmm. this is not ending anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with an agent the other day saying they're booking in 2022. They're not, they're not even looking at next year. Yeah. They're like, yo, like if it's going to happen next year, it's going to be fall. Like this is not yeah. happening anytime soon. And if it does happen sooner, it's just because the golden egg was dropped in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So, the other thing I would like to say to people is this. Stop thinking of yourself as a music artist. Stop thinking of yourself as a music artist. Stop thinking of yourself as being in the music business. Because if you think of yourself as being in the music business, you're thinking that you will make a livelihood and make a lot of revenue off of music. But music is just a marketing tool for the bigger picture of who you are. Yeah. So you have to think of yourself as how am I as a brand how am I as a commodity, hate to say that word like that, but it's facts. How can I create something that is bigger than the music that I create? 
And if it's, and if it's, you know, for example, like you might create great music, but at the same time, you might be amazing chef. So mm -hmm. marry the two and put out a book and make some money off the book because the music ain't going to make you a lot of money unless you get like millions and millions. Like literally you would have, to make a living. You pretty much have to like do a million streams a month. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It's not, that's a, that not everybody fits is fit like that, especially in this day and age. So the artists that are going to do that are the ones that are actually are very proactive online and are very creative and think outside the box and have a different angle to this. Mm -hmm. The last thing I'll say is this. What if this isn't temporary? What if, the, like, you should actually be thinking, like, this is the new life. Mm -hmm. And if this is the new life, then how do you make a living off of this new life? And is this the new life you want to live in as an artist? You have to think like that. If you can't think like that, you're already losing. Yeah. Flick's trying to give us a whole other hour. To make sure. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you what it is, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had that conversation with a lot of artists too. It's yeah. like, you gotta, you can't just assume you're going to be able to do a live show next year. You know, it's yeah. like, you need to adjust your whole business, your whole art to what's happening right mm -hmm. now, you know? And that really ties back to kind of what we were saying at the beginning was yeah, to think about yourself. Like my first piece of advice was to be ready to be an entrepreneur and a business minded thinking mm -hmm. person. And I actually, I don't know what the future holds, but for me right now, I'm really using this opportunity to, to go a little bit slower and to lay down any building blocks that I feel like I might've rushed past. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, uh, when you're starting out, there's a lot of motion. And I think that um, for myself with my business with Serious Betty, with the artists that I've um, managed, like I'm trying to go really slowly um, so that we can take this time to really plot and take this time to really like, I don't know, find the money, get the grants, apply for the grants, stash our pockets, create the plans. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to just, if you're just ready to start right now, um, basically build your revenue yeah so i want to get some of the questions here um the first one that i have is from tanisha something i've personally struggled with is how to better support and develop emerging artists um that we're showcasing outside of prevent uh providing them with the presenting platform what are your other suggestions so i guess this could do well, for those who are looking to be managers, um, not necessarily artists, but how else can you support an artist when they're just starting out, other than presenting them with the platform to showcase their work? I, one of the things that I always try to encourage um, new artists to do is to like engage with their audience on social media mm -hmm. um, and to not be afraid of putting themselves forward on social media. So like, working with an artist to get them to be confident in um advocating for themselves and mm -hmm. i think that that's not necessarily something that you're doing personally for them but you're helping them to be able to um talk about themselves yeah at, basically as like a spokesperson for their own brand sounds good um it's interesting because i i know tanisha her question almost reads as if she's talking about manifesto or she's throwing out a larger question. Yeah. And I don't know which how to answer it based on if it's about manifesto, if it's about <laughs> her individually. Because I have opinions on manifesto. Manifesto. Okay. 
maybe from a maybe from a manager's perspective. No, I think she she said, "Yeah, manifesto. I'll go in. I don't mind." Like I, I <laughs> she, love, she responded. I love, okay. <laughs> I, love, I love I love I love what manifesto has done and has continues to do, but I feel like to be one hundred percent, they could do so much more if they built their own platform mm-hmm. to be bigger. So what I mean by that is like, they're a support network, but they need to work on their own branding to bring more people to the party to then um, help the artists that they're supporting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like, like I, I, I see that, for example, like I go to their, their manifesto Spotify page. Mm-hmm. It's not that update updated to me. Like, you know, the, the consistency, the same way we talk about consistency to artists, the brand has to be consistent to that level at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be the same way we talk to artists about spending his money in the right places to strategically build something. If Manifesto did more of that to build more of a brand around who they are to the point where they're renowned like a rolling loud, the level of success they could put an eyeballs on emerging artists would amplify even larger. Yeah. And so there's a strategic play that needs to be put in place from that perspective, because I don't really think like the stuff that they're doing for artists now is wrong. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. from the panels to the discussions to online live, to me, it's more like they need to really do more work for themselves to build Mm -hmm. their platform, to be Mm -hmm. a bigger impact when they do the work that they do. Yeah. Well, it comes down to, I taught a workshop on um, how to build a marketing strategy using community and that's what it comes down to. And it circles back to the, my point of the, encouraging my the artist to talk about themselves. Like with a brand like Manifesto, you have to look at who is the community and not the community that they're trying to create, but the community that they yeah. themselves as the brand are involved in. Mm-hmm. So when you lose touch with your community, yeah, when you lose touch with your community, even if you're the, an artist or a brand, you've pretty much lost all your authenticity. And I think that that's like the biggest thing that it comes down to is providing your artist or the brand with that connection to the community. That's mm-hmm. actually probably the best gem that was dropped tonight. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Like when, yeah. it com- when it comes to like everything in this music business right now, yeah. it's so important the community angle mm-hmm. this it, like i use i use it in two different words like community scene like these two words are the same and i feel like the reason why i love rise is because rise has done a great job at creating a community that they live and and breathe by and support within their communication their actions their words and their representation and their imaging so everything is intertwined mm-hmm. and you can't find anybody that does say something bad about Rise. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple people, but that's because they didn't get any love. You know what I'm saying? But for the most part, Manifesto, in my opinion, if they were to build more of a community in a line and really show that there's an actual, even though it's not really a person, but like show that there's a, a community and build a scene around it, you, they would get way more attraction and 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 somebody running it from that perspective um i think remix did a good job of that too remix was very community scene driven and Mm -hmm. has always done that it's actually built on that on that pillar 
every time a new round comes in, the purpose of that round is to say, listen, all of you here, mm-hmm. you know, when people get into the program, all of you that are in this program right now, you're at the, we're, we're all walking in the door together. We all are part of something and we all need to be part of a community here now to help one another, get yeah. to know one another. Cause the next nine months we will share space together. We will grow together so that when they graduate through the program, that becomes a family. And it's somewhat the same type of philosophy that needs to be done, what Jessica's talking about, with creating communities and scenes and how you cultivate that. That, not just within organizations, is the same thing you are doing as an artist. Mm -hmm. How are you creating a scene and a movement in a community around you so that when you say, hey, I'm gonna be at the park with my guitar, 50 people show up. Because you've created some type of connection with people that actually care about what you're doing and they love what you present. Yeah. And that trickles and they become evangelists yeah, and they and go out and they share that world and it grows and it grows and grows into something that like is, is, is untouchable. And, and this actually supports so many points that we said earlier about creating the relationships with anybody, publicists or blogs or anything. It also goes back to your point earlier about what do you stand for? What's your identity? It's like all of those things that you're building at the beginning will circle into your community and circle into those. Your, your, yeah. You're 100, like, here's an example. <laughs> so I, had, I had an artist I was working with and um, they wanted to hire a certain publicist. And I said, nah, I don't, that publicist was a huge fan and supporter of the artist but the publicist scene and community that they were part of and what they did was scales above them mm-hmm. and did not, would not help them create the story and, and, and align them in a scene in a community mm-hmm. that he needed to be part of. So when trying to get out there, we had to find somebody who was more tapped in to open up doors and introductions so that they can actually organically grow and not just all of a sudden jump in trying to be on the cover of like Toronto star. Like you don't, you you have to have some sort of backbone. Otherwise you can get that quick success. But when you go up and it comes back down, when you have a support, the support pushes you back up. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't have that support, what ends up happening is you kind of go down and you got to start over again. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of answers the second question that we had here about, um, uh, Sophia says she's super new in this industry and is still studying and she was just looking for what are some of the first things she could do um, in terms of experience to get involved. So I think that comes right back around full circle because I was about to say that one of those um, initiatives that has done a really good job of building community for 25 years now is Honey Jam. Like Honey Jam has such a strong community of of female artists. So even for me, like that was something that I did, Sophia, uh, to get started. Unfortunately, that live opportunity is not available right now. Um, but even, but just the basis of it, being able to have that particular community that you can tap into and having a group of people that you can even send something and be like, hey, what do you guys think about this? What do you, or having people who um, are targeting a similar audience as you even and being able to say hey what are your thoughts on this hey what's your opinion on this how do you think people will receive that so I think it's really important um, to kind of find those communities that are 
mm-hmm. you know, in line with what you're doing and what you're going for, going right back to goal setting and kind of figuring out where you want to go. Um, but also to bridging communities. I think that as artists and like creatives, it's part of our duty to kind of connect those communities as well if we can and have that opportunity too because that kind of comes right back full circle to you and benefits um what you're doing as well because even you know like working with with manifesto and with tanisha and now working with afro wave and now that gave us an opportunity to be like oh she helped us with grant writing there she could help people who are interested in doing afro wave workshops with grant writing as well so i think bridging Mm -hmm. community also comes in um, handy for is, everyone. Is Sophia an artist or looking to work um, on the on another side of it? Sophia. Is Sophia artist? Yeah. No, work. Work, uh, yeah, artist. okay. Work. So I was gonna say, I worked for free for a long time and I'm not saying you have to work for free, but I wanted the opportunities and I, and I was able to work for free or for a little money. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to tell anybody that they have to work for free because some people are not able to. But I am going to say that the best advice I can give is to find yourself something. Like even if you volunteer once a week, like with Sir- with my team with Serious Betty, I um, with with my team with Serious Betty, I it is volunteer run, but I and I only ask for a small commitment because these folks want to get experience. We're building a really cool team. Like if you could get yourself in somehow, um, one of my first jobs also was like a receptionist at a modeling agency. That was my part-time job while I was in university. And it's like, I wanted to be in fashion. So I worked as the front desk girl. I wasn't necessarily doing styling or anything, but I was there in the space. So I would say, yeah. And I would love to know that answer to your question too. Do you know what area of business you want to be in? I think that touches on a really important point too, even for artists. Um, I know like even when I just started doing live performances, I did a lot of gigs for free just for the exposure. But what that does, you kind of have to know how to use that to your benefit as well, not just, oh, do the gig and that's it. Um, What I was able to do with that, and I know a lot of people, like my peers as well, was add that to your portfolio. And you're able to now say, I did this, I performed here, I performed at this venue, I worked with this organization as well. And I think that's a good way to start building your buzz. Even stuff as, um, you know, working in a studio and having artists come in and they're like, I want harmonies, I can't do harmonies. But I'm working in the studio and I can do harmonies. So kind of getting the network from being able to work with them on their art as well, or even just being present to get that opportunity. So I think that's also an important thing, like being present, now we can't be present physically, but being present in the communities online, there are a lot of Facebook groups, there are a lot of Instagram um, opportunities and Twitter, especially being like a conversational platform. So kind of remembering that social media is social, like you have to interact in order for people to know that you're there um, to get these opportunities to build these communities. Yeah. Nice cat. Yeah. So I, I would say, Sophia, I think uh, another thing you should look at doing is well, the first thing is doing is research. You know, mm-hmm. research is key with everything in this business. Um, if you can do some research in terms of like, okay, who are the different players in the city I live in? Who are the, the small ones and the big ones? And you know who the small ones are based on the size of the venue they're doing and the size of the show they're doing. Two, who are the big ones 
the bigger the show, the bigger the the bigger the the player they are, right? Um, start looking at following their Instagram pages, sign up to the newsletters, mm-hmm. and follow and and understand okay what shows they're doing, what what are they you know even during this time, how are they keeping afloat? How are they even keeping their lights on? What are they doing to to sustain themselves at this point? Start looking at who works for them, like it's not hard <laughs> do the research find okay who who works for the company what do they do linkedin you got to be a stalker to a certain degree i don't want you to like go out and kill nobody but i'm talking like you know find out who are the players so that one day if you happen to be in an elevator with one of them you can recognize them and be like hey i know who you are you know or the opportunity of hitting them up in the dm saying hey i'm an inspiring event manager and um, I would love just to like take you out for coffee or do a quick Zoom coffee meeting and talk about what you what it is you do and how I can get in the business or give me some tips. Like th- those type of things will actually open up doors that you wouldn't even imagine. And if they like your personality and like who you are, there might be a good chance of, hey, you know what? Come in, I'll let you do a show with us. If you're down to volunteer and just see what it is, then that's a great place to start. And if you can pull your weight around and people like who you are, it leads to the next opportunity. It leads to the next opportunity. So I would say that's the first approach in regards to like where you're trying to go. Yeah. And I agree. I think that, um, you know, uh, asking for informational coffees and when you do, or an informational zoom, as you had mentioned, I think it's great. <laughs> but when you're doing that, um, be prepared with your questions. Actually, Karis and I had, had an informational coffee. Say. That's how we met. Um, so she came prepared with questions of what she wanted to ask. She knew exactly like what I have done. She knew specifically what she wanted to get out of the meeting. Our meeting was 50 minutes. She bought me a coffee. It was so great. And <laughs> we made a connection out of it and she got what she wanted. Um, and as someone who works in the industry, if you have time being a mentor and a teacher and going for those informational coffees, I don't know, for me, it feels really good. I really like it. And the people who you ask for those coffees, Sophia will, the ones who say yes, will be the people who will, who you'll probably get the most out of because they're invested in, in the future. And do, and think about things that will separate you from the rest of the crowd. That comes down to like the questions that you ask. Like, you know, they don't always have to be regular questions. Be like as easy as like, yo, who's your favorite band? Or, you know, have you read a book lately that that you thought was really dope? Or have you seen, I went and saw this movie. What did you think? Like good icebreakers that kind of like define who you are as an individual because our time gets so busy that sometimes I must have, I've met some people that I've met twice. I didn't realize I met them before. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, and I felt so bad. It's like, Oh, why didn't I remember you? But it's not that I'm trying to be rude. I just, I just meet a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think you kind of have to define yourself in a meeting somehow and always pick up the tab. Always pick up the tab because on that first meeting, doing those little tiny things like that is like, Oh, thank you. The net, like the, it's a curiosity, like it's a cur- uh, courtesy. Uh, courtesy that people really, really do value and respect. Like you don't have to buy somebody fucking steak and potatoes, but like a coffee or a drink yeah. at the bar or something like that actually can go a long way. Mm. There's so many things that I, I can think of that people have done that have made me want to work with them. Um, somebody uh, found me on LinkedIn, mailed me their resume, 
um, when I was the manager um, of a retail store and she asked me specifically in the letter for an informational coffee. She wasn't asking for a job. She was literally just like, and this is goes back to your point, click, find the people that work for the place. She wooed me and I went to my boss and I said, yo, there's this girl and we should hire her for the next like blah, 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 whatever the opening was in two months. And that was like, she made friends with the, the manager so that I could tell my boss about her. You know what I mean? Like she did the right thing. <laughs> and, and I think, I think that could be transferable as an artist. You know, think about his artists. Like I'll never, I talk about this all the time. The airplane boys, shout them out right now. Um, those dudes, when they first came out the box and they had um, a couple music videos they released that got like some really great traction at that time, they went and their EPK or their package that they went around shopping and meeting people was actually a coffee table book, like a mm. real hardcover coffee table table book of themselves <laughs> with pictures of, from the music videos and like it was like a picture book of them very well done very well laid out and at the back of the book was a sleeve for their cd and i was just like dude that's in a, like i was like i want one of those books like it was so like it really wowed me and i remember them telling me how that book like really opened up a lot of doors for them like because it it doing something that's outside the box that makes a stamp makes people take notice and see that you are not just cut like everybody else yeah I honestly think that's the best thing you could have ended on <laughs> <laughs> um if there are no more questions good any general takeaways you want to leave i think we've said quite a bit but if you just want to like, if you could just put your mailing address in the chat so that everyone can send you something, ah! I think that that would be the best. <laughs> Actually, I should put my P.O. box. Yeah, P.O. box, man. Yo, I'm going to do that. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to do that. I'm doing that right fucking now. I'm going to see what happens. Oh, I will put the Afrowave email um, in case anyone wants to reach out to get any resources or anything that you think you may have missed. But it's operations at afrowavato.com. It'll just be a liaison for our panelists after we finish. Oh, shit. Here. That didn't do what I wanted it to do. I'm putting that in your hand. Don't worry. I got you. I love this. You got me, you got, you got me all amped on this. I'm, I'm curious. Like, even a card would be nice, you know? I like cards, you know? <laughs> I'm going to write it down. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't my house. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't worried about it, you know? That's true. But, That's great. You know, we'll see what happens. And then we can come back and see what, what jewels came. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Part two. That would be funny. <laughs> I don't know my Thank shit off by heart. I have to, like, always look it up, you know? But, uh, oh, I've chosen up here. Um, so, again, the email is in the chat. If you want to reach out to Afrowave team, we can um, connect you to the panelists today or if there are any uh, resource sheets that we receive, then you can just reach out to us and request that and we'll have that sent your way. I want to thank Click and Jessica so much for taking the time to come here and offer all this valuable information that thank I had you for to having us. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thank I you. even got play out, play, play, play out music when you're ready. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Sounds good. Um, for, 
For anybody who isn't, definitely follow Serious Betty. Um, and if you're an artist, check out um, our website, seriousbetty.ca. You can submit your music. I have a radio show. Um, we have our blog and we also have a playlist. And mm -hmm. we also do shout outs on our Instagram stories when you do releases. And then also if you have any events going on, we have a curated event calendar. So we're an amazing resource and it's all free for you to put your shit on our website. I would love to see it. <laughs> Any last words from you, Click? Anything upcoming that we need to be looking out for from you or your artist? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm going through different times with everything that's been going on in the world. I have the roundtable discussions that I created mm -hmm. about nine weeks ago. I did this systematic racism, breaking down barriers on what's going on in the world and Canadian industry. If you haven't checked them out, this is our last one on Tuesday, um, our finale. And we'll basically be going over like all the takeaways and stuff that's come out of those conversations. And they've been really exhausting, but rewarding and, and really, really cool overall. And I'm just excited to see um, what comes out of it because we're writing a report and putting together like a decoration to get companies and other organizations to follow the actions that um, Black professionals in the Canadian industry want to see. You cool. know, so I uh, awesome. highly recommend y'all to check that out. Um, you can go to Breaking Down Barriers, uh, B D R B, um, uh, dot C A. Yeah, okay. I hope I got your handles right there. Just put your handles in as well for anyone that wants to follow them. Also, Afrowave will be having our second workshop out of the series. It'll be on grant writing. So now that you've figured out your identity, what you want to do, what sound you want to portray, how do you go about securing those funds to kind of help you uh, get your art out there. So we'll be having uh, Tanisha, Tanisha Richards, who is on right now, and Natasha Adiana Morris as well, just to kind of help us navigate grant writing in the Canadian music industry. Thank you, everyone, for coming on and taking time out of your schedule to make this happen. There's no event without the attendees and the panelists. That's true. Um, enjoy the conversation and all the questions that were asked are really important. So thank you again.